we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Here you have the clue or the key to observe without the old brain responding. When the old brain doesn't respond, there is the quality of a new brain coming into being. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from our archives representing Krishnamurti's different approaches to fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is the brain. Upcoming themes are insight, discipline and spirituality. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit the official YouTube channel for hundreds of advert-free, full-length video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks. In addition, the Foundation's own channel features hundreds of specially selected clips. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on the brain has three sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Sanan, 1983, titled, What is the Function of the Brain? What is the fundamental function of the brain? I think that's where we left off. Why the brain, which has evolved millennia upon millennia, has had tremendous experience of every kind, sorrow, pleasure, and the uncertainty, death, Why such a brain has not solved this problem? And who is going to solve the problem? The leaders, new leaders, (coughs) new political statesmen, the new priests, the new ideology. We have tried all that. Man has tried every way to bring about peace in the world and also peace in himself. 
and the brain, which is a very, very <coughs> complex, <coughs> complex affair, capable of extraordinary technological progress, and yet that very brain has become very primitive and has not <coughs> sorry and has not solved any of its problems. I hope you don't mind. <coughs> What is the function of the brain? Just to go on living like this? Acquiring great knowledge in every field and using that knowledge to destroy each other, to destroy the earth, nature and all the rest of it. We all know this very well. And one asks, if one is at all serious and we are here A gathering of people who are serious, I hope, not casual visitors, but who are taking life seriously, they must inevitably ask, what is the function of the brain? Most of us are only concerned with ourselves. If we are at all frank and honest, we are concerned with ourselves. Self-interest, from the highest category of people, intellectual and so on, down to the most primitive people, the educated and the uneducated, the sophisticated and the religious people, <coughs> they may identify themselves with something noble, but that very identification is part of self-interest. And the brain, our brain, is concerned only with that. Personal problems, problems of mathematics, problems of computer, and so on. But basically, we are concerned with ourselves. 
That's a fact, right? However much we may try to hide the self-interest <coughs> in noble work, in meditation, in belonging to various groups, the self-interest dominates, consciously or unconsciously. If we are honest, look into ourselves and our activities, political, religious, and so on, we are only concerned basically with ourselves. And we have lived that way from the beginning of time. And we are still living that way. And so the brain only functions in a very, very small, limited, Feed. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Patience. Is that all the function of the brain? To be concerned with itself, with its problems, with its pleasures and sorrows and pain, ambition, greed and so on. That's the way we have lived. And the result of that in the world is chaos. Each one wanting to fulfil, wanting to achieve, whether illumination, enlightenment, or become a big businessman. It's the same thing. So we have reduced our brain, which is an extraordinary instrument, into something so petty. And we have reduced that brain to be very, very limited. Right? It may be extraordinarily capable in the technological world. The marvellous instruments that are created, instruments of war, instruments of surgery, medicine, communication, computer. There, the brain has functioned with an extraordinary vitality. But extraordinary capacity. 
And that very brain is only concerned with its own self-protective activity. This is all obvious fact. We're only dealing with facts, not with ideals, not with ideas, not with theories, facts. <coughs> As we explained the other day, facts are something that has been done in the past and remembered, something that is being done now. Those are the facts. From those facts we abstract ideas, conclusions, strong opinions, which have nothing to do with facts. So the brain lives on memories and not on facts. This is very important to understand if we are going to explore together what is the function of the brain, what is the deep quality of a brain that can penetrate and find out its deep function. We are dealing with facts only, which is that we are a series of movements of memory, which we talked about the other day, memories, that is, the faculty to remember. To remember things that have happened and the things that are happening now, so the memory has become very extraordinarily important, which has nothing to do with facts. My son is dead, he's gone. And I remember there's only remembrance. And those, on those remembrances I live. On those memories, on those incidents which we had together, I cherish those memories. Right? Which, please, you are doing this, I'm not telling you something which you are not doing. So we are a series of movements of memory and time. Memory is time, right? Memory is the reaction of experience, knowledge, and the things 
that one has remembered. This is what the Self is, what we are. I do not know if you have ever inquired into what is the present, what is now. Is it the cessation of memory, or we don't know what the now is at all? May I go into a little bit of this? Zero contains all the numbers. Mathematically, zero was invented by the ancient Hindus, and in the zero all the numbers contain. Is the now Please listen. Is the now the totality of all time? I wonder. We'll go into this further. <coughs> so the brain having cultivated self-interest, which is the accumulation of memories, and so the brain has become a very, very small psychological instrument. Obviously. When I am thinking about myself all day long, It's a very small affair. Or when I think about the whole world, it is still a small affair. I don't know if you can understand we are moving together, I hope. Right, sir? So, why has the brain got caught in this narrow circle of the Self. The Self, the Me, the Ego and all that, is nothing but words and memories. Which is so. And that Self has become so terribly important. And when one is concerned with oneself, all our actions must be psychologically limited. And where <coughs> and where there is limitation, 
There must be conflict. I am a Jew. You are an Arab. That's a limitation. A tribalism which is limited. And I cling to my limitation, and you cling to your limitation, and therefore the perpetual conflict. If you are constantly repeating, I am a Russian, and identified with that particular country, tradition, language, and all the literature of that country, it's very, very limited. So, we have reduced the brain, the brain seeking <coughs> security in the self, has made itself limited, psychologically. So, there is a contradiction between the psychological limitation and the extraordinary limitless technological progress. <coughs> Is this the function of the brain? To live perpetually in conflict? And therefore, there is never a liberation, a freedom. Is this the function of the brain? Just to limit, live in a small area, psychological. And is it possible, when you understand, when one understands the nature of the self, as we briefly explain, is it possible to break down this limitation? And who is to break it down? You understand? This limitation has been brought about by thought. Thought which has created or sought in the limitation security. And thought itself is limited. Because thought is the outcome of vast experience, accumulated knowledge, stored in the brain, in the very brain cells. No, the speaker is not an expert, we have watched very carefully. And thought is the outcome of memory. Right? 
as memory is limited, knowledge will always be limited. <coughs> and experience is never complete. You understand? So, the brain is functioning with the only instrument, the limited thought. Is this are we moving together? And so we are perpetually living in conflict, in struggle, in pain and sorrow. Because we seek security in the limitation. In memories and so on, that's simple. So is it the function of the brain to find security? Survival, physical survival, one must survive physically, unless of course one is a little bit dotty, then that's a different matter. But one seeks physical security and also psychological security. Is there psychological security at all? Don't, please, don't accept this. Go into it very carefully with the speaker. Together we are examining. We are not imposing a thing on you. We are not trying to convince you of anything. I really mean this. We are not trying to convert you to some philosophy. Which is a hard, I'm not clear. So we are together, walking, perhaps hand in hand, down a lane, shady, full of dapple light, and the beauty of the earth around us. And we're talking about serious things. Not pity little things, because we're both serious. And we say, is this what we have reduced our life to? Just seeking self-security in the limitation. And physically, there is no security because of wars, of racial, tribal conflict, ideological conflict between the Russians, the totalitarians and the so-called democratic, the West and the East. They are preparing for war, you know. 
course they won't listen. You can't talk to the politicians, because they are concerned to preserve their own position. You know all the rest, I don't So, we're asking, is that the only function of the brain? To seek security in limitation. That's what we are doing. And in the search for security in limitation, we are bringing about havoc in the world. Right? Such great disorder, confusion. It's again obvious. Now, what is the function of thought? Because that's the only instrument the brain has. We are together in this, please. <coughs> what is the function of thought? What is thought? What is thinking? We all think, whether you are highly educated, sophisticated, or the most uneducated person, hungry, very little food and all the rest of it, he also thinks. The sophisticated, the educated, the highly person who can express things clearly, he thinks. And the person who is not, he also thinks. So thinking is common to all of us. Right? It's not your thinking. You may think and express it differently. You may be an artist, you may be a mathematician, biologist, and so on, and I may be labelled. But we both think. So thinking is not yours. Thinking is not individual. Please, this is a fundamental thing to understand. And yet this is what we are doing. This is what I think, my opinion, my judgment, my values of opinions. Right? See what is happening to us. We have reduced the whole vast process of thinking as mine. Right? And also we ought to inquire if your brain is separate from another. Please, don't, we're going to it slowly, don't get impatient or 
cling to your own particular point of view. Brain has evolved through time, through thousands and thousands upon thousands of years of experience, knowledge, and all the activities of thought in the world, technologically, personally, and all that, thinking. And we have said that my, it's my brain that I, through which I think. Is that so? Is your brain yours? Or it is the result of thousands of years of evolution. So it is not your brain or my brain, it is brain. I wonder if you see the depth of this. And the brain is the centre of our consciousness. What is our consciousness? Not according to the experts, but when you ask yourself that question, your consciousness, what is it? Your beliefs, your conclusions, your opinions, your the two thousand years have programmed as a Christian or a five thousand years as Hindu and so on. Right? Your consciousness is your the reaction, the reflexes, the fears, the pleasures, the sorrows the pain, the grief, and all the misery of human beings. Hmm? That's your consciousness. Is your consciousness different from another? Or your consciousness is like the consciousness of all humanity? Because they suffer in Russia, in India, in China. They may have outward garments different, the environment may be different, but psychologically, which is our, the content of our consciousness, is common, is shared by all human beings. Right? So your brain and your consciousness is shared by all human beings. So you are the rest of mankind. You may be a German, a Swiss, and a proud Englishman, but 
you are the rest of mankind. Right? So, it is not an intellectual concept, it is not an idea, a romantic, sentimental something, but it is a fact. And when you when that is deeply real, when that is the the truth, then your whole outlook on a life changes. Then you are responsible for all humanity. It's rather frightening, but it is so. So, one has to understand that in this investigation we are not being self-centred, we are not cultivating the self more and more and more, we are not making the self more intelligent. We are like the rest of mankind. Out of that comes compassion, you understand? The second extract is from the sixth talk in Madras, 1979, titled Can the Brain Only Register What Is Necessary? Is it possible to register only what is necessary? Well, nothing else. Understand the beauty of the question, the implications of that question, the depth of that question. We say it is possible. I'll show, I will explain, but the explanation is not the fact. Don't be caught up in the explanations. Through the explanation, come to the fact. Then the explanation has no value. The commentators make explanations, but they never come to the fact. Right? So that we are saying What has continuity is the movement of time, is the movement of thought, the movement of knowledge from the past modifying itself in the present and proceeding. That is the whole process of registration. Right? Follow that. The whole movement of registration of the brain. Otherwise you couldn't have knowledge of today. So that's the whole movement. And we are saying that movement has taken over the psychological field. Right? Because one sees knowledge is necessary, 
Otherwise, he couldn't function. I couldn't talk. But I won't. I won't bring in my talking. That's a different matter. It's really that is tremendously interesting. If you want to go into it, I won't go into it now. He said, knowledge is continuity, and this continuity, brain has found safety in this continuity, and therefore it must register. Right? But the more, but knowledge is always limited. There is no omnipotence knowledge. So the brain has been having found security in the movement of knowledge, clings to it, and translates every incident, accident according to the past. Therefore, the past has tremendous importance to the brain. Because the brain itself is the past, and your own intellect says, logically, as we have explained, intellect says, which is the verbal explanation of the intellect. The intellect says, "I see very clearly that which has continuity has nothing new." There is no new perfume, there is no new heaven, no new earth. And so, intellect say, is there an ending of continuity and not bring danger to the brain? You follow? Because without continuity, it is it gets lost. So it says. If I end continuity, if intellect says to itself, says, if I end continuity, what then? The brain demands to be secure. What is then? If it can find something in the ending and the beginning, then it says, "All right, I've got it. I'm safe." You understand? Now the brain has said, "I must. I can only function in security, whether it's false or true. Security and continuity has given me security, which is the registration process. For registrating, I mean registering. That has given it security. And you come along and say to me, to the brain." Register only what is necessary, relevant, and don't register anything else. You understand my question? It is suddenly at a loss. You say, what do you mean by it? Because it's functioning out of security. So give me security, and I'll go after it. You understand this? I say there is a security, but not this kind of security, which is to put knowledge, thought, in its right place, 
right? The very orderly orderliness of life is possible only when the brain has understood that it is living in disorder, which it calls security. And when it realizes that there is that security implies putting everything in order, which is everything relevant and nothing irrelevant, you are following on this? Then the brain says, I have understood this, I have got it, which is having an insult into this whole movement of continuity. Right? You are following? It has an insight into it. And that insight is the outcome of complete order, which is you have put a, the brain has put everything in its right place. Then there is total insight into the whole movement of consciousness. And therefore, it means the brain will only register that which is not, which is necessary, nothing else. You got it, you captured something. In that is implied the activity of the brain undergoes a change. The very structure of the brain undergoes a change because the seeing something for the first time anew brings a new function to operate. You understand all this? So, your arm, this arm is developed because of function. Right? So, when the brain discovers a new, sees something new, there is a new functioning take being born. Right? A new organism is taking place. So, we are saying. It is wholly necessary for a mind, for the brain to become very young, fresh, innocent, alive, youthful, when there is no psychological registration at all. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1970, titled, Can the Brain Be Quiet? You can observe yourself, for yourself, the, how the brain operates. The brain is the result of the past, of time, of experience. Of, it is the storehouse of memory. And memory is the past. And this memory responds, all the time responding, of like and dislike, justifying, condemning and so on, responding all the time, according to its conditioning. 
according to the culture, religion, uh, education is brought up in. That storehouse of memory from which thought arises guides most of our life. Right? Oh Lord, you're following all this. Are we going together? Don't look so worried, please. <laughs> if you don't quite understand it, now we'll go into it a little later afterwards. So relax and take it easily. Because it's really quite an immense thing if you can grasp it. And that brain, which is the storehouse of the past, is directing. is shaping our lives every day and every minute, conscious or unconscious. And that's one of the distorting factors, which is thought, which is the response of the past, the past being knowledge, experience and so on, the me which is the very essence of the word and thought. Now, can that old brain be completely quiet, only awakened when it is necessary to operate, to function, to speak, to do, act? but the rest of the time completely still. Have you ever tried to do this? No, of course, you haven't done You see, this is the… you'll all smoke very easily. Hmm? You do things without deep thought, doesn't matter, that's your affair. Meditation implies not the orthodox meditation, not the Zen meditation, not the meditation through uh, repetition of words, all that is stupefying, mechanical, no meaning. The real meditation is to find out whether the brain, with all its activities, all its experience can be absolutely quiet, not force it, because the moment you force it there is again duality. The entity that says, by Joe, I like to have marvellous experience, therefore I must force my brain to be quiet, will it? You will never do it. But if you begin to inquire, watch, observe, listen to all the movements of thought, 
this condition its pursuits its fears its pleasures how the brain operates then you will say the brain becomes extraordinarily quiet and the quietness is not dormancy sleep but tremendously active and therefore quiet you understand a machine a big dynamo that's working perfectly ticking over well oiled doesn't hardly make any sound it's only when there is friction there is noise so the brain and therefore the body must be completely quiet so one has to find out whether your body can completely sit still or lie still without any movement again not force it because the body the brain are interrelated psychosomatically they function not separately so go on we are meeting each other uh, we are communicating with each other there are various practices to make the body still again this practices imply suppression the body wants to get up and go away so walk and say no i must sit quiet and the battle begins wanting to go out and wanting to sit still and in this this is whole thing called yoga you have heard about it oh lord you are rather i suppose you know the whole world is upside down when one is concerned only with social activities social reform revolution all the other things escape or put aside but if you want to understand the whole business of life you have to you know understand everything that is contained in it human life psychologically the word yoga you'll find dozens of books all over the world written by all the specialists means to join together the very word join together is wrong which implies duality you understand therefore it has quite a different meaning 
which we won't go into now. Probably it was invented, this particular series of exercises and breathing, many thousands of years ago in India. It is to keep the glands and the nerves and the whole system functioning very healthily. Without medicine, and keep it highly sensitive. And the body needs to be sensitive, otherwise you can't have a very clear brain. If you, you know, stuff yourself with wine, meat and all the rest of it, how can your brain function clearly? Your smoking, drugs, and all the rest of it becomes such superficial, uh, immediate satisfactions without any understanding what is beyond it. Now, yoga is a certain kind of practice of exercises, exercises, not something mysterious through exercises. One has to do it to keep the body supple. Hmm? You understand? The brain have to have all the blood it needs and therefore right breathing. You understand all these things? If I may be a little personal, we do it every day to us. Regularly. Not the regularity of machinery, it, it keeps well, I won't go into all that, doesn't matter. So, one has to have very good, healthy, sane body. And therefore, a brain that is capable of thinking rationally, healthily, objectively, non-impersonally, therefore efficiently, and a brain that is absolutely quiet, not mechanically made quiet. Now you can see the truth of this, can't you? Huh? The, tr the simple fact of it, that one needs to have a very good, healthy, sensitive, alert body, a brain that functions very clearly, non-emotionally, non-personally, and such a brain to be absolutely quiet. You can see the fact of that, the simple logical fact of it. Now, how is this to be brought about? Do you understand what I mean? 
how can the brain, which is so tremendously active, not only during the daytime but when you have got to sleep, how can this brain be so completely relaxed or completely quiet? You understand my question? No method will do it, obviously. Please follow all this. No method, right? Do you see that? Huh? Because method implies mechanical repetition, which stupefies the brain and therefore makes the brain dull, and you, in that dullness you think you have marvellous experiences. So how is this brain, which is so tremendously active, which is never still, because it's always chattering to itself or with others, judging, evaluating, liking, disliking, you know, turning over all the time. How can that brain be completely still? You understand the importance of a brain being still. The importance, not what the speaker says is important. For yourself, do you see the really importance, the, impo- the extraordinary importance impo- that this brain should be completely quiet? Because the moment it acts, it can only act in response of the past. It can only act in terms of thought. And therefore, again, the operation of the past. And it's only such a brain that's completely can still can observe. Right? One can observe a cloud, a tree, a flowing river with fairly quiet brain. Right? You can see those mountains, the extraordinary light on those mountains. And the brain can be completely still. You have noticed this, haven't you? Now, how has that happened? How does the mind, facing something of extraordinary magnitude, like a very, very, very complex machinery, like a marvellous computer, or a magnificent sunset or a mountain, how does it become completely quiet for even a split second? Have you noticed when you give a child a good toy, how the toy absorbs the child? Then the child is concerned with it, playing with it, and doesn't, you know, 
is absorbed by the top. In the same way, the mountain, the beauty of a tree, the flowing waters absorb the minds and mix the mind by its greatness still. Right? That is, the brain is made still by something. Now, is there, can the brain be quiet without an outside factor entering into it? You're following all this? And because they haven't found the way, therefore they say, grace of God, prayers, right? Faith, absorption in Jesus, in this or in that. And we see all that, this absorption by something outside, can be a dull, a stupefied mind can do this. We are trying to find out. Can this happen, this quiet, free brain that, that is completely quiet, without any interference? Right? You have understood the question? If it is not quiet, one of the factors is dream. You are following all this? Is this too much? Topi, if you don't understand, it's up to you. The brain is active all day, endlessly. The moment it wakes up, till it goes to sleep, it is on the move. And when, they, when you go to bed and go to sleep, the activity of the brain is still going on. Right? The activity of the brain is, is dream, our dreams. Right? The same movement during the, of the day is carried on during sleep. And therefore, the brain has never a rest. Never a moment it says, I finished. It's over. Because it's carrying on the problems which it has accumulated into sleep, and when you wake up those problems go on, it's a vicious circle. So a brain that has to, is to be quiet must have no dreams at all. 
because when the mind is quiet during sleep, you the, the brain is quiet during sleep. There is a totally different quality entering into the into the brain into the mind. We'll go into that a little later if you are interested. So we are asking, how does it happen that the brain, which is so tremendously eagerly, enthusiastically active, can naturally, easily, without any effort and suppression, be quiet. I'll say to you, as we said during the day, it is active. Moment you wake up, you look out at the window and say, Oh, awful rain! Oh, it's a marvelous, lovely morning, but too hot. You've started. At that moment, when you look out at the window, not to say a word, not suppressing words, not to realize that by saying what a lovely morning, what a horrible rain, this or that, the mind has started, the brain has started. But if you watch out of the window and not say a word, which doesn't mean you suppress the word, just to observe. It's all the memory of the past rushing. Just to observe, right? So there you have the clue. There you have the key to observe without the old brain responding. Therefore. When the old brain doesn't respond, there is a quality of in the new mind, new brain coming into being. Uh, are you getting all this? You can observe the hills, the mountains, the river, the sh- valleys, the shadows, the lovely trees. And the marvelous cloud is full of light and glory beyond the mountains. To look at it without a word, without comparing. But it becomes much more difficult when you look at your neighbor, at your wife, your husband, your another person. There you're already got the images established, and it becomes much more difficult to observe your wife, your husband, your neighbour, your politician, your priest, whatever it is, absolutely without an image, just to observe. And you will see when you so observe, so clearly see, the action becomes extraordinarily vital. Therefore it becomes a complete action which is not carried over the next minute.
You're meeting this. You understand? One has problems. Not sleeping well, quarrelling with wife, you know, problems. Deeply, superficially. And we carry these problems from day to day. Dreams, the repetition of these problems, the repetition of fear, pleasure, the problem over and over and over and over again. That obviously stupefies the mind, makes the mind dull, brain too. Now, is it possible to end the problem as it arises? You understand? Not carry it over. I have a problem. Somebody has insulted me. Hmm? I'm taking a silly problem. At that moment, the old brain responds instantly. Right? Saying, You're also. Now, before the old brain responds, to be aware of what the man or woman has said, uh, something which is unpleasant, to have an interval between what he has said and the response of the old brain, to have a gap. You understand this? So that the old brain is is responding slowly, doesn't immediately jump into the battle. So if you watch during the day the movement of thought in action, thought is action. And if you watch that and you realize that it is breeding problems, and problems are something which are incomplete, which had to be carried over. But if you watch that with a brain that is fairly quiet, then you will see action becomes instantaneous. So there is no carrying over of a problem. You, you got this? No carrying over the insult or the praise or something, you know, problem, carrying over the next minute. It's finished. So when you go to when, the, when there is sleep, the brain is no longer carrying on the old activities of the days. It has complete rest. Right? And therefore, the brain then being quiet in sleep, there takes place 
not only rejuvenation of the whole structure in itself, but a quality of innocency comes into being. Because only the innocent mind can see what is truth, right? Not the complicated mind, not the philosopher, not the priest, not the brain that is constantly repetitive, mechanical. Innocent mind is the brain as well as the body, the mind, the whole, whole entity. Not in the whole being, not even the being, it's that whole thing in which the body, the heart, the brain, the, mind, the whole of that, if, you do, if there is this, pro, this alertness, watchfulness during the day, and when there is sleep there is a certain quality of innocency that happens. And it is only this innocent mind, which has never been touched by thought, it's only such an innocent mind that can see what is truth, what is reality, if there is something beyond measure. That is meditation, not all the phony stuff. Therefore, to find, to come upon this extraordinary beauty of Truth with its ecstasy, you must lay, lay the foundation. The foundation is the understanding of thought which breeds fear and sustains pleasure. the understanding of order and therefore virtue, and therefore the freedom from all conflict and aggression and brutality, violence. That is the foundation. Without that you can play tricks. And what you will have are the tricks of the conjurer. But once one has laid this foundation on freedom, then there is this sensitivity which is supreme intelligence, and from that the whole life one leads becomes entirely different. 